from deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, here we are in the post-election period, ladies and gentlemen. And um, pollsters and their defenders are saying, well, they didn't get it that wrong. Which seems to me to be ignoring the basic question about polling and its place in our journalistic environment of the moment. Clearly, forecasting the weather can save lives. It has social utility. Um, quoting gambling lines on future ball games can at least help to guide gamblers. What is the social... What do we gain as citizens, as barely interested pa passers-by in predictions about elections? What, I mean, yeah, I guess we could gamble on it based on that. But aside from that, networks, cable channels, printed media, devote oodles of space and time, time and space should be, to reporting and yakking about polls. What do we gain from that? I know what they gain. They fill time and they fill space pretty cheaply. Me? Hmm, not so much. You? Hello, welcome to the show. Spiteful up 
California, home of the homeless. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Crypto company FTX at the end of this week with little clear explanation as to why. Where'd that money go? Soon afterwards, FTX stated in its official Telegram channel that it had been hacked, instructing users not to install any new upgrades and to delete all FTX apps. FTX has been hacked. FTX apps are malware delete them chat is open don't go on ftx site as it might download trojans i think they mean in the uh, less than old-fashioned sense that was the those advice from an account administrator in uh, ftx ftx had already uh, had its week full of troubles it's a crypto or was a crypto exchange run by a 30-year-old wunderkind named Sam Bankman-Fried. Not Sam Bankster-Fraud. That's another guy. According to uh, data, various Ethereum tokens, as well as other tokens, have gone out of FTX's official wallets. These are crypto currency if you will and i hope you don't the transfers have not been addressed officially by ftx leadership they came on the same day that the firm officially filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy protection after apparently losing billions with a b and a d billions of dollars in user funds crypto ladies and gentlemen it's a it's a hot new thing and like hot things, you don't touch them. Also, Tesla has initiated a voluntary recall of more than 40,000 Model S and Model X vehicles. It's bad firmware update. It could cause the cars to lose power steering. Quote, due to forces from external road dynamics. That's explained by the tech British tech journal The Register as bumps in the road. According to a recall report filed with the National Traffic Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Tesla believes around 1% of the 40,000 affected vehicles to have the bug 
It's um, Model S and Model X vehicles only, the ones manufactured between August 2017 and December 2020. Those vehicles got new calibration data for their electronic power assist steering system. The offending software rolled out last month and was uh, intended to update the system, quote, to better detect unexpected steering assist torque. Instead, it did the exact opposite. Well, you know, it was close. Opposite is close. More than 3,000 offensive tweets are sent to UK members of parliament every day. That's according to a BBC investigation into the extent of online abuse. Analysis of 3 million tweets aimed at MPs over a six-week period found more than 130,000 around 1 in 20 could be classed as toxic. An MP, Jess Phillips, says the level of abuse has created an unsustainable culture where politicians are afraid to speak their mind on important issues. And that's bad. Oh, uh, Twitter was unavailable for comment. <laughs> yes. Elon uh, disassembles public relations or a public-facing comment uh, wherever he goes. He uh, shut down the Tesla public relations arm a couple of years ago. The BBC investigation found more than 130,000 tweets mentioning MPs were considered likely to be toxic, 20,000 severely toxic. Uh, one MP, a Labour MP for Birmingham, or as we say, Birmingham, accepted robust criticism was part of their job, but she said a line was crossed when language used was sexist, racist, or over-sexualized. Quote, sadly, women politicians suffer huge amounts of thinly veiled or completely direct rape and sexual violence threats, she said, when it becomes about not about a subject but about the way you look and about your children and family, that's when it crosses the line. Miss, this particular MP said she knew of colleagues who had even voted against their principles on a range of matters, including Brexit and Syria, in order to avoid a backlash on social media. So it works. If you're interested in browsing the contents of a cell phone in the interest of national security, um, you can, if you have millions of dollars and are a government agency, you could try approaching the NSO Group. That's an Israeli company that has sold its Pegasus spyware to scrupulous governments worldwide, according to the British, the German news agency, Deutsche Welle. Its uh, products have been sold in 14 EU states, according to the European Parliament. Pegasus infiltrates mobile phones to extract data or to activate a camera or microphone to spy on owners. The company says the tech is designed to fight crime and terrorism, but it has been found by investigators to have been used on journalists, activists, dissidents, and politicians worldwide. Just in the past 18 months, Hungary, Poland, Spain, and Greece have all been accused of using Pegasus or similar technology against citizens or politicians. In Poland and Hungary, they're both in the EU now, 
Use of such spyware is, quote, an integral element of a system which is designed to control and even oppress the citizens, that is, critics of the government, opposition, journalists, and whistleblowers, unquote, a Dutch EU lawmaker, Sophie Intvelt, Intvelt. This week, she presented a damning European Parliament report on the subject. She led the report as a part of a committee of EU parliamentarians conducting an inquiry. Poland and Hungary. Gee, weren't they not democracies recently? Said the uh, report, the spyware scandal is not a series of isolated national cases of abuse, but a full-blown, pardon the expression, European affair. It uh, slammed the whole deal as, quote, Europe's Watergate. Although the revelations in Europe have not triggered the demise of any European leaders, a number of countries have opened judicial investigations into the use of the technology. It is a smart, 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 smart world. And now, news of our friend the Atom. Repayment of the more than 10, sorry, $68 billion in government funding for cleanup and compensation for the Fuk disaster has been delayed, according to the Japanese government. The delay stems from technical difficulties. And Tokyo Electric Power Company, TEPCO's worsening financial state. The entire process, cleanup and compensation, according to the government, may take more than 40 years. Fook wants you to remember it. And a nuclear power plant in central France has failed a safety check after a pipe linked to the reactor cooling system ruptured during testing. That's from the state electricity firm EDF. The incident at the CIVO plant, offline for maintenance and tests, risked delaying its return to service at a time that France is worried about its ability to produce enough electricity this winter when they need the electricity for the warm. The plant, the most modern in the French network, was shut August of last year after corrosion problems were detected in the wells used in its emergency cooling system. The incident in Civaux a couple of weeks ago was absolutely not a weld that gave way, said the deputy head of EDF's nuclear production unit. A pipe linked to the primary cooling system of one of the ruptures, r- reactors ruptured, leading high-pressure steam to escape as well as a radioactive metal object that had to be retrieved via a robot. About uh, 2,800 cubic feet or 21,000 gallons of wastewater resulting from the leak had been captured. There's no risk for the environment or for public health, said the uh, deputy head of France's nuclear safety regulator. The discovery of the corroded wells at the Sivo plant last August led the electric company to shut 12 reactors built to the same design for testing. Almost half of France's 56 reactors are currently offline, meaning the company is expected to have to buy electricity from the European electricity market for this winter time. 
too early to tell, according to the official of the plant and the electric company, if the ruptured pipe would delay the return on stream to the plant in January as scheduled. EDF is under pressure from the French government to speed up its maintenance work. It's looking to have 42 reactors online by December 1st. 500 specialized welders are currently working on the cooling system. That's a lot of welders. EDF says it aims to standardize standardize the corrosion repair works at its plants. It's a record number of reactors offline, according to Reuters. Nuclear power production in France is at a 30-year low. We're in a phase where it is industrialization and standardization, which is the key to control the impact of corrosion, says that deputy director of nuclear production at ADF, Régis Clermont. The teams, quote, engaged in a repair must follow a process that is reproduced from reactor to reactor, he says. This will make this more efficient and gradually reduce the duration of construction sites, he said. He describes it as a strategy on handling corrosion. So he wants to standardize the way of... Uh, Repairing it, meaning, I guess, they've been doing it differently from reactor to reactor. Hmm. 82 billion has already been spent to deal with Fook, going back to Fook. It's according to sources at the Japan Board of Audit. It means more than half of the Jap Japanese government's total estimated cost, 147 billion including compensation, payments, and reactor decommissioning expenses, has been used in the 11 years since the meltdowns occurred. The nuclear decommissioning process is not going smoothly. That's a report from the Asahi Shimbun. There are fears that the planned discharge of treated radioactive wastewater into the sea could damage the reputations of the disaster-affected areas, what with the hot water and all. That cost of reputational damage is being added to the uh, previously known costs for decommissioning. Removing fuel debris is said to be the most difficult work in the process of decommissioning. Cost of that will reach $9.38 billion within five years. No, within uh, nine years. Tep TEPCO, in fact, abandoned the planned removal of fuel debris this year because robotic arms used for the task haven't been developed as quickly as predicted. TEPCO now aims to start that work in the second half of fiscal 2023. It was TEPCO's second postponement of the work, which was initially scheduled to start last year. And the Japanese newspaper adds an ominous note. TEPCO's financial condition is deteriorating. 
And finally, thousands of radioactive particles have been found on the coastline of Dolgity Bay in Fife, this is in Great Britain, since 1990. It's believed they come from radium-coated glow-in-the-dark components in World War II aircraft that were incinerated and dumped there. This is from BBC. Radioactive contamination was first detected at the beach during routine monitoring. Now a team of engineers is sifting through tons of sand and soil from the whole beach as part of a $12.3 million project to remove all the hazardous material. They're using a purpose a special built scanner, which has been assembled in a cabin on the shore to detect the radioactive particles. Diggers scoop up sand and soil from the beach, which has been closed to the public while the work is carried out. The soil is poured on a, to a specially designed conveyor belt, which takes it into a cabin where there are eight gamma ray detectors. The system is designed to detect the tiniest particles buried underneath soil on the conveyor. The smallest radioactive particles, which have been recovered, measure less than one millimeter by one millimeter, one hundred, sorry, four hundredths of an inch square, smaller than a grain of rice. If a radioactive particle is detected, a handheld monitor is used to locate and remove it. Only gloves and trowels are needed to remove the particle. Sand and soil is damp, so we don't need to worry about the material flying around, said one of the workers. The particle is placed into a metal tray and measured for radioactivity before being put into a labeled sandwich bag. That's then placed into a waste drum inside a locked storage cabinet. Each month, a 53-gallon drum containing these bags of particles goes off to a licensed disposal company. The team stops work during the winter to allow nesting birds on the beach. It scans about 100 square meters of beach a day. Three months of work left during the project, which resumes in April. By the end of the work, the team will have dug up, scanned, and replaced 7,500 cubic meters of the beach, 264,000 cubic feet, the equivalent of three Olympic swimming pools full of radioactive particles. The radioactive contamination was first detected at the beach during routine monitoring in the 1990s, Previous attempts to tackle the contamination had been hampered by disagreement between government agencies. If nothing was done, there was a risk people using the beach could receive a, a dose of radiation which exceeds the safety limits. Clean, cheap. Too high a dose to meet or our friend the atom. You better hurry. You know summertime is coming to an end. Coming to an end. You're still fun to have. Grab your honey and be sure to tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Just cruise down along the coast. Don't let barbed wire get in your way. Hey, hey. I know a real special place. Where nothing but the isotopes decay 
strip down to your suit and you cool right off in the sea. Cool off in the sea. Cool off in the sea. Then back on dry land and the sun can warm you right up for free. Warm for free. When the wind starts to blow, you don't have to peel away from the sight. That's right. Just get your squad near a rod and stay nice and toasty all night. West Beach, your skin is getting a tan. Santa Monica, a beach that, as far as we know, doesn't have nuclear waste. As far as we know. I'm Harry Sure, This is the show. And um, the elections, well, they haven't been resolved quite yet. Why is it taking so long? And um, one fairly major development accompanied or followed the elections this week it uh, appeared in two different places in an editorial on the Wall Street Journal's editorial page and in the New York Post's front page. In both places, a seeming decision by the Rupert Murdoch organization, Fox or News Corp or whatever it's called now, this week, to uh, distance itself from Donald Trump. The New York Post front page had a drawing of the former president sitting atop a brick wall and the headline Trumpty Dumpty. Murdoch won. Really? Yeah. Well, this is Trump won. <laughs> Donald, I've been expecting this call. Oh, I'm sure you have. You uh, take a couple of shots at the country's favorite president and newspapers that uh, not even the fish read anymore. you got to expect something. <laughs> Look, my friend, this day was going to come sometime. So that sometime is now. Shouldn't be surprised. No, I sh shouldn't be surprised by the kind of ingratitude that's never been seen before by anybody with eyes. Did I hear you say ingratitude? 
And your age? Who knows? Listen, my wrinkled old friend, I gave you failing newspapers, thousands of days of must-read front pages. Was best sex ever, says Marla, not the best-selling edition of the New York Post in the history of history? Didn't Trump make Fox News the owner of primetime cable? Didn't MAGA make people actually read the Wall Street Journal editorial page? Do I have to draw you a picture with my bare hands? Jesus. Are you through? Through? I haven't even started to begin. If we're talking about gratitude, who got millions of dollars, American dollars, of free publicity every night for years, not to mention every morning? You think I called Laura all the time because she wasn't a sack of dog-faced ugliness? I had to close my eyes just to find the phone. And who do you think told her it was a good idea to put your blatherings on half an hour of live TV? Oh, some schmuck in the control room while you're at home trying to wheedle your way to the pants of some rocker's ex? All right, Donald. Let's be honest. We helped each other. But one of us had a sell-by date, and the other one didn't want to stink up the kitchen. Rupert, I don't have to sink to pointing out that you're as much of a true native-born American as some drugged-up Mexican rapist. But I have no choice. And here's the cute part. Unlike some rockers' ex, the MAGA movement isn't going anywhere. We're leaving our tire tracks all over Mike Prince and Dick Cheney's crazy daughter, and you're turning your one-time media empire into a third-rate rhino preserve. You know, I think I remember the two weeks when all your people were going to watch some two-camera network based in San Diego. But guess what, my friend from Queens? <laughs> Those are our people. We just loaned them to you for a few years. If you're going to run again, you're going to be doing it on talk radio and Christian television. And if there's any mileage left in you, we'll hop back on board when the time comes. And then you really will be grateful for scraps of airtime. And I'll be magnanimous enough to tell you, you're welcome. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to sit here and wait for Rhonda Santos to call me and do a proper hiney kissing. I uh, can still get uh, off-the-air advice from Hannity, right? It's a free country. Take care, Donald. But I... Now news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Eversall III. Promoters of flying taxis in the Paris area plan to showcase their service by carrying their first passengers during the 2024 Olympics and Paralympics. A dozen of the electronically powered unmanned volocopter vehicles are forecast to be operating from five bases in the Ile-de-France region, according to Le Parisien. Ah, the French. It's at... uh, one of these bases that uh, the state-owned public transport operator, the Ile-de-France region, and the German aircraft manufacturer Volocopter have been carrying out tests for a year on the vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. They're due to be integrated into both air traffic and the urban transport environments, four times less noisy 
than helicopters. The um, airport manager group says it's in the process of obtaining the European certification which will allow it to fly on all the vertiports. It's hoping for the go-ahead in 2024. Typical price for a journey, expected to be around $103 American. Paris is due to host the Olympics for the third time, starting July 26, 2024. Air taxis, ladies and gentlemen. Sounds so safe. And the city of Sapporo this week announced an increase in its projected budget to host the 2030 Olympic and Paralympic Games. The revised draft plan to host the Games reveals total capital costs and expenses could range from 2 0.03 to 2.17 billion. That's up from the previous budget. You know, because of the inflation. Organizers plan to fund the budget, uh, the project with mostly private investments, sparing taxpayers from any large expense. Let's remember that. The 2030 Games will be in Sapporo. Sapporo, sorry. Um, unless... Salt Lake City comes in. The Utah capital hosted Winter Olympics in 2002. And the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee has made it clear they prefer to stage the Games in 2034 to give it more distance from the already scheduled L.A. 2028 Summer Games. In June, a joint bid by Barcelona and the Pyrenees dropped out of the running when partners had irreconcilable differences about venue placement. Last month, a promising indigenous-led bid centered in Vancouver collapsed when the provincial government refused to provide necessary funding. Now it seems the Japanese bid's only opponent is public opinion. Tokyo 2020 Olympics generated a bribery scandal still going on. Organizing committee executives have been charged with taking payments in exchange for giving preferential consideration to potential sponsors. Support for the new bid has since soured. And IOC President Thomas Bach was absent from an anniversary celebration in Tokyo last month, trying to attempt to distance himself from the controversy. Sounds like a movement, doesn't it? And we all need one. Every day! to 
mentioned earlier the case of FTX, the uh, crypto 
Exchange, and Sam Bankman-Fried. Here's his apology, as read by me. Quote, I'm sorry. That's the biggest thing. I effed up, and I should have done better. I also should have been communicating more very recently. Transparently, my hands were tied during the duration of the possible deal. I wasn't particularly allowed to say much publicly, but of course it's on me that we ended up there in the first place. The full story here is one I'm still fleshing out every detail of, but at a very high level, I effed up twice. The first time a poor internal labeling of bank-related accounts meant that I was substantially off on my sense of user's margin. I thought it was way lower. But when it rains, it pours. We saw roughly $5 billion of withdrawals on Sunday, the largest by a huge margin. And so I was off twice, which tells me a lot of things, both specifically and generally, that I was crap at. And a third time in not communicating enough. I should have said more. I'm sorry. I was slammed with things to do and didn't give updates to you all. And so we are where we are, which sucks, and that's on me. I'm sorry. Unquote, sang Sam Bankman-Fried. President Joe Biden on Friday affirmed that the U.S. was ready to take back the leadership of fighting a warming planet. He was addressing the United Nations COP27 climate summit. He was quoted as saying, My friends, I came to the presidency determined to make transformational changes that are needed that America needs to make, and we have to do for the rest of the world to overcome decades of opposition and obstacles of progress on this issue alone. And then he apologized for the U.S. withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord under former President Trump. Quote, we immediately rejoined the Paris Agreement. We convened major climate summits and reestablished. I apologized we ever pulled out of the agreement, unquote. About two years to the day since the Tasmanian government announced there would be a commission of inquiry to examine a litany of horrific allegations of child sexual abuse in state institutions, victims, survivors will receive have received a formal apology from Parliament. That's according to the Australian Broadcasting Com Corporation. In those two years, the Commission heard harrowing evidence from people who were abused as children, children who were admitted to the pediatric ward at a general hospital, children at state schools, children living in foster homes that were the responsibility of the state, and children who were sent to a youth detention center. Not, over, not every victim survivor chose to share their story. Commission of Inquiry primarily focused on allegations of abuse that were either reported or occurred since 2000. There are many others who were abused in state institutions in earlier decades. As the stories emerged, department heads gave apologies. The premier apologized publicly on behalf of the government. Some victim survivors have received apologies in private meetings. The latest apology was a formal recognition from Parliament. Some victim survivors are choosing not to attend 
or did choose not to attend. They feel their apology is more about the government looking good than a genuine response to survivors' pain. Some have questioned why the apology was being given now, while the Commission of Inquiry is still writing its report. The government, which organized the apology, had uh, changed the date of it twice. The first change made because the original date given was also the anniversary of a notorious pedophile nurse, his death. The second change was made because of what the government described as, quote, a number of sensitivities. The changes left victim survivors wondering why they weren't being consulted. South Korean President Yoon Sak-yeol has publicly apologized for the deadly crowd crush that killed at least 156 people and injured 197 victims. That was uh, on the occasion of a Halloween get-together, October 29th, after thousands of partygoers flocked to a narrow alley. Yoon, the uh, president, apologized during a Monday morning meeting on safety rules as he committed to implementing reforms in the nation's police and safety management systems. He also vowed to hold those responsible for the mishandled police response uh, response accountable. Responsible for the response accountable. That's the writing of Next Shark, Korean publication. I do not dare to compare myself to the parents who lost their sons and daughters, but as the president who ought to protect the people's lives and safety, I am heartbroken. He said, I am sorry and apologetic to the bereaved families who are suffering an unspeakable tragedy and to the people who share the pain and sorrow. Unquote. President Yoon, whose approval rating dropped in the incident's aftermath. He denounced the authorities' poor handling of the incident and pledged a thorough investigation. My favorite apology of the week comes from Berlin via the Associated Press. KFC, which we know is Kentucky Fried Chicken, has apologized for accidentally sending an automated push alert to its app users in Germany. The alert appeared to urge people to order food to commemorate the 84th anniversary of Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass when Nazis terrorized Jews throughout Germany and Austria. The company received an outcry for the alert that went out Wednesday at a time when Jewish groups are warning of rising anti-Semitism. According to screenshots shared online, the app alert said, quote, Memorial Day for the Reich program night. Treat yourself to more tender cheese on your crispy chicken, unquote. KFC said the notification was an unplanned, insensitive, and unacceptable message, and for this we sincerely apologize. It continued, we use a semi-automated content creation process, hey, so do I, linked to calendars that include national observances. In this instance, our internal review process was not properly followed, resulting in a non-approved notification being shared. The chicken chain says it's halted app communications while it reviews its policies to avoid similar notifications in the future, adding that, uh, quote, we understand and respect the gravity and history of this day and remain committed to equity, inclusion, and belonging for all, unquote. 
The notification led to outcry from Jewish groups. Dahlia Grinfeld, associate director at the Anti-Defamation League, tweeted in German, How wrong can you get on Reich program night? On that night, uh, November 9th, 1938, Nazis killed at least 91 people and vandalized 7,500 Jewish businesses during Kristallnacht pogroms across Germany and Austria. They also burned more than 1,400 synagogues. In Germany, the event is more commonly known as Reich Pogrom Night, or Nacht. The CEO of a retail chain who wrote a blog post trashing San Francisco as a city of chaos has, after closing a location in the Hayes Valley neighborhood has apologized and reopened that store. Cotopaxi CEO Davis Smith published a post last month saying San Francisco had, quote, descended into a city of chaos and announced the closure of the store in that neighborhood due to high incidents of shoplifting and other theft, according to local TV channel KRON. Smith wrote that the staff at the San Francisco store felt unsafe and lamented he was now avoiding San Francisco, a city I used to love. But now in a new LinkedIn post, Smith apologized for his harsh words for the city and announced that the Hayes Valley location had reopened with full-time private security. I recognize that with the emotions I was feeling that day, I used some harsh words to describe our experience in SF. But now, he says, I'm not someone who likes conflict or controversy, so for that I apologize. My intent was not to tear down San Francisco, a city I've loved since childhood, but it was to transparently share something that was going badly for us, something disappointing we were going through. Smith said he hoped his previous post could bring attention to the problems many Bay Area retailers have complained about, high incidents of theft and shoplifting. Wow, I'd avoid, I'd avoid that place like the plague. No, just kidding. I'm on the radio in San Francisco. It's great. BHP Group Limited has apologized for sexual harassment, racism, and bullying at mine sites pledged to do more to tackle the problem. We're determined to eliminate these harmful behaviors, said Chairman Ken McKenzie in Perth, Australia. It's a uh, one of the world's largest mining companies, BHP, formerly B- BHP Pillet- Billiton. Quote, we're committed to providing a safe, inclusive, and supportive workplace culture. Don't they all say that now? Australian miners are under pressure to clamp down on sexual assault and harassment after a landmark inquiry unveiled shocking cases, according to Bloomberg, of abuse of women at companies including BHP and Rio Tinto Group, where at remote sites, staff stay for several weeks. The Western Australian state government agreed in September to a code of practice to improve security for remote workers. Harassment at mines. What will they think of next? Democratic strategist Kurt Bardella joked during an MSNBC segment this week that GOP Representative Lauren Boebert doesn't win, if she doesn't win a seat, her seat back in the House, 
Her next job may be as an OnlyFans creator. Bardella made the sexist comment about Bobert, starting a career with a subscription-based website commonly used by sex workers during a discussion about her nail-biter re-election bid in Colorado. Bobert responded on Twitter, quote, liberals even suck at feminism. Can't y'all do anything right? Bardella apologized for his remark, insisted the criticism of it from Republicans amounted to faux outrage. I'll be more thoughtful about my words in the future. It is never, capital letters, my intention to shame women. I apologize, period. Unquote. A Harvard University museum apologized this week for its complicity in the objectification of native peoples. It will return hair clippings of about 700 Native American children who were forced to attend United States boarding schools in the 1930s. Quote, the Peabody Museum apologizes to indigenous families and tribal nations for our complicity in the objectification of Native peoples and for our more than 80-year possession of hair taken from their relatives. Unquote the museum's statement. Native American children were renamed, told not to use indigenous languages, and had their hair cut at more than 400 boarding schools in the United States that forced assimilation in the 19th and 20th centuries, according to the Department of Interior. And this week, the museum said it recognizes the cultural and spiritual significance that hair holds for many Native American communities and is, quote, fully committed, unquote, to return the hair to tribal communities and families. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time, same radio stations, same time, I guess, that you choose to hear it on your audio device of choice, although that's up to you. And it would be just like Lauren Boebert not being on OnlyFans, if you'd agree to join with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans. New Orleans. For help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, what are those? And a playlist of today's Music, all on harryshear.com. As well as so much more to see, hear, read, and ignore. And I'm on Twitter, really, still, at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWN on New Orleans, flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless.